Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Judy Sedgman, and I'm here today with my wonderful, talented, brilliant counselor friend and uh, and soulmate, I would say, in a, in a nice way, Chris Heath. And um, I am very thrilled that we're going to do part two about looking for love in all the wrong places today. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Before I forget, um, stay tuned for next year. We're going to be doing some weekend um, trainings or workshops or whatever you want to call it. So um, we're going to have one on probably this is going to be on after we have it on the 2nd of December. But um, it will be we'll, we'll be having more next year, like three or four of them. So if you want to do something intensive with us, Feel free to join us. Yes, we'll keep you informed. So, you know, uh, last time we talked to you about how people are confused about whether love comes at them from other things or people that they feel they need to be complete or whether love is part of us. And and we pointed out that love is something that comes from within us. And when we live in the feeling of love, we don't have to worry about, am I lovable? Will people be attracted to me while I find friends and soulmates and so on. But there's another point to be made that has to do with the level at which we all live. And I was reminded <clears throat> while we were talking on the last one of a work I, I did as a volunteer as early on when I was first learning the principles, I had also started volunteering in a program that rescued uh, women from um, abusive relationships and the criterion for getting into the program was that you had to be willing to leave the relationship. You had to be taking some proactive, <clears throat> you know, whether it was just leaving or getting a divorce or whatever was involved. You had to be in that stage. And then if you qualified, you could go to this safe house that was, you know, maintained for these women. And it was, I think it was five or six weeks. And they would give them, you know, help finding, uh, putting together a resume. Their children could come. They could have up to two children that came with them. Um, they would do things for the kids, you know, to help them to be happy and find their own self-esteem. And uh, it was a really nice, very complete program. And I did groups there as a volunteer. But over the course of time, the director kept saying, you know, we keep seeing the same women over and over again. It's just amazing, you know, that we get them all fixed up and they get a new job and they've got a new work wardrobe because they had all these people volunteering clothes and things. And you know, they have training and they have whatever they need and they're full of vim and vinegar. They're going to go, you know, go get them, Tiger. And, you know, six months later, they're back and they're in another abusive relationship. And this woman said, it's so discouraging. I don't know what's wrong. Well, I didn't either. I mean, I was just a volunteer. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess some people just have bad habits. But then I started learning the principles and as I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, we're fixing everything from the outside. 
we're not helping them to see who they really are. We're not pointing out that heart and soul, there's nothing wrong with them. That's not part of the program. They didn't have a component. Like my group was just about professionalism, basically. I was there as a volunteer to help them to behave right in the workplace and that kind of thing. And um, and so I, I talked to the director and I said, you know, I'm learning this new thing and I'd like to change my group a little bit. I'm, I mean, I'll still talk to them about professionalism, but I'd like to share some other things. And she said, we well, can do anything you want. They really like you and they go, they go to your group. That's fine. So I started talking about, you know, the principles and about our spiritual nature as human beings and the fact that peace of mind is, is critical, that you don't want to give away your peace of mind too cheaply and you certainly don't want to give it away to a relationship. Any kind of relationship, whether it's with a with a person or with money or with a job or with any, you can't attach your happiness to things that you can't control. And the only thing that we have any control over is how we feel ourselves, and that comes from understanding how we think. So I started doing that program based on the principles. And over the course of the two years that I remained doing it before I ended up moving away and uh, left the area, but for two years, the recidivism rate went down. And the director came to me and said, the only thing that's changed here is that you changed your program and we're not having these people coming back. And I said, and I, and I remember doing a little chart for her saying, you know, if you're in a really insecure state of mind, and you get into a relationship with somebody who's also insecure because they look right to you. Because when we're insecure, people that are also insecure seem to be onto life, you know, like, yeah, yeah, they really get it. They know that this sucks, you know. And, um, and so you're, and, and you feel more comfortable with people that are also insecure. And so what would happen to these women is when you, when you, when I, I start interviewing them, when they, you know, when they would leave and they, they would get nervous. They would say, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, I've failed so many times. They would already have it on their mind, you know, that they were safe in that program. So they attached their happiness now to our program. So they're doing great as long as they were in a safe house. And I, and when, when I started talking about, no, no, it's not the program. It's you, you know, your thinking has changed. Your whole understanding of life has changed. You don't want to let go of that. <clears throat> and so, you know, what, what was happening to them when they were coming back was that they would, you know, they would have a setback at work or their kids, one of their kids would get in trouble or something, somebody would come from the past and, you know, upset them. or And they would go down and get down on themselves and see, oh, that program didn't really help me. I'm just the same stupid person I always was. And they would go back to the bar or back to wherever they were picking up guys. And they would pick up an equally insecure, low mood guy. And here we go again. And what happened after they understood was, oh, moods come and go. You know, I'm in a bad state of mind. It's not a good night to go out. You know? <laughs> and they would uh, take care of themselves. And they would know that, that all that thinking was just thought and it would pass. And, as, you know, that sounds so simple. But really, that's what saved them. You know, then because instead of thinking they needed something when they were in a state of really low state of mind, which is temporary. They were, they thought I'm in a low state of mind and it's temporary. So I just need to get some rest and take care of myself and I'll feel better. 
And it's, you know, as simple as that sound, it's, it's a really profound change in the way we live our life. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really um, amazing to me how human beings get attracted to what's familiar to them. You know, and so they call that the, the cycle of violence or the, you know, you're going to marry your parent. Um, and it's kind of interesting because whatever uh, feeling level we're, we're kind of, that we're living at, we tend to then find people that we feel comfortable with, which frequently means that they're living at the same level of insecurity that you've been living in, which is used to always interest me because um, I would work with these incest families and they would come in and the daughter would be abused by the father or the stepfather. And then as we talked about it, because in those days we kind of went through every history thing there was possible. And um, invariably they discover that the families that the, that they each came from had sexual abuse in it. Right. And there was like, they didn't know that about each other, but as they started talking and this became a topic, right. Cause people was kind of taboo to even bring that up. So they hadn't even talked about it, but yet they would find the perfect match, which would be someone who had the same kind of feeling. Right. And so it's, that's why women frequently men too will say, why do I keep finding women like this? Why do I keep finding men like this? Like sometimes people are like, you'll see that they'll have three or four relationships, marriages sometimes, and they're, they always marry an alcoholic. You know, it's like, why does this happen to me? Why does this always happen to me? And it becomes like something that's happening to you rather than really seeing that you're still living at the same level of consciousness. And so what looks familiar, what makes triggers all that thinking you have about what a healthy relationship would be like or someone to be loved by gets distorted by the level of consciousness and the thinking that you picked up at that level. So I'm always shocked at that. It always cracks me up that, I mean, it's not funny, it cracks me up, but it's just shocking sometimes to see how people are able to find people with very, very similar experiences. and. Instead of going back in the past and analyzing all that, which is what I would do and what, you know, psychology still kind of does, it, it doesn't do any good. It just like, yeah, okay, I understand that. Yep, that's right. Oh, yeah, it's very interesting. You know, it's like, oh, wow, this is, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. But it doesn't help to change because it still looks like your reality. So when a person's level of health changes and they're living in a higher level of consciousness, now how they perceive relationships is different. A relationship looks like a totally different thing than when you're down at a lower level, right? So it, it's interesting to me how people get so um, tricked without realizing because you're on automatic pilot. You're not awake to the fact that, hey, I'm thinking I'm, this is my reality I'm in here. I'm creating this. This is, like I got to like change myself and then my reality will change instead of trying to change your reality so that you feel better. That's just backwards. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing about it is, is that <laughs> you can't change reality. You know, in other words, the only way reality changes is when our thinking changes and the same stuff looks different to us. So, you know, it's for example, like I, uh, I've, worked with some women who say, well, 
you know, well, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I could fix him. You know, this is the, the uh, big mistake. Some a woman will start feeling better or a man will start feeling better and they'll say, well, you know, I, I care about her and I, or I care about him or I feel sorry for her. I feel sorry for him, you know, and we've been together a while. Maybe I can fix them. Well, nobody can fix you and you can't fix anybody else. Now, you can be in a different state of mind and they might come to your level. They might be attracted to that level. And they might, you know, lose some of their insecurity in the face of your unconditional happiness. So people do change around people that are in a higher state of mind. But you can't count on it and you can't plan to do it. It's not a doing. And so that's the other, you know, trick is that people get caught in, uh, you know, that kind of cycle, like, well, I feel better now, so I can probably deal with it. And that's probably true. (laughs) But it also may not be the healthiest thing to do. That's exactly what I did. Is I got better. So I be in a relationship with this guy. I can handle it. And then, and he came in to learn as well. Right. And I thought, oh, now I'm set. But it wasn't, it wasn't right for me to do that. And I got really insecure. So I went down from my, to my, te- my training and my teacher looked at me and goes, I don't know what's going on in your life up there, but you better go clean it up. And, <laughs> and, and so I, I came back and um, this, this man was, came to, over to my house immediately afterwards upset with me that he had a car accident after he dropped me off at the airport and somehow it was my fault. And I thought to myself, uh, I think this is one of those things I need to clean up. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's like me and other people. It's like you love someone. And because you feel love for the person, you think that it's either coming from them or that you now have a mandate from God to stay with this person. You know, and, and so people frequently will tell us, but I love him. You know, he's uh, one woman I worked with said that, um, Every time she would set a boundary with her husband, he would start loving on her, and then she just couldn't say no to him. Well, if that's the best feeling that you get, it's easy to get tricked by that. But if you're already living in a good feeling, you don't see that as you getting a good feeling. You see that as him trying to manipulate you so he doesn't have to change. You know, and it was funny because I was I was working with this woman, and she was just a classic. She, um came in and she was talking about how she was doing all this thinking about her husband who was abusive to her. And so I, I was talking to her about thought and how it worked for her. And she stopped me and she goes, Chris, my husband is a jerk. That's not a thought. And, and I laughed and I said, well, he may be giving you a lot of data to think with, but it's still you thinking right now. Because he's not even here, right? And then, and it was funny because when she saw that, like, it, like in her mind, she was really dealing with it because she was focusing on what a jerk he was, but she wasn't listening to her own wisdom about what she needed to do to do to make things better. So, long story short, she got insight. She got feeling more powerful herself, and she started seeing that that her thinking was. Ho- holding her back. So she went to a shelter and she, she settled in and she gives me a call and she said, well, I finally went to the shelter. And I told my husband, I'm not coming back until he goes in to see you. So be prepared. 
calling you. (laughs) (laughs) And he did. And he changed. And they got back together and they developed a much healthier relationship that was no longer one where she was being abused and and hurt in the relationship. So, you know, it's it's kind of like change happens, but it only happens when you get stronger. You have to see that you're okay, that this person and loving a person is a wonderful thing. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be in your life forever. And it doesn't mean that they're the right person for you. Because this guy that I broke up with that I thought I could, because I learned the principles, I could be with anybody. Uh, six weeks later, after I got back to my good feeling and I was in a good place, so I, what do I do? I call him up, just like everybody else. I call him up and I go, hey, how are you doing? He goes, I'm engaged. I was like, what? He goes, <laughs> I'm engaged. I said, to whom? And so he tells me who it is and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy has been taken out of my life. He was a major distraction and it's just like totally being taken out of my life. And to add insult to injury, he sobered up with her. So it was my own ego that, you know, was really the trouble here because truly I wasn't very good for him either. We did not make a good match. And I had to admit that it wasn't just him being a jerk. It was also me and how my insecurity was getting in the way. But it's like when you start to let go of that level of consciousness, you got to let go. Sometimes we go back down there just because it's familiar. It's like we know about it. We got thoughts about it. So change means you got to also realize that leave a reality to get a new one. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I, when I first got involved uh, in this work and knew, seriously decided it was going to be my life's work, I moved to LaConnor and I was working with George and Linda Pransky, who at that time had a marriage and family therapy practice exclusively. And so I, you know, my part of my journey there was to sit in and as they worked with clients and kind of get a feel for how this went. So I remember one time I was sitting in with George and he was had this couple that were on the verge of divorce and they came and said, you know, we really think our problem is communication. We want help with our communication problem. So George talked first to the man and then to the woman. So when he talked to the man, the man had nothing good to say about his wife. You know, she, he just went on and on about all her flaws and all the things that he, dis, that he was disappointed in and all the stuff she did wrong and blah, blah, blah. Then he talks to the woman. She's got nothing good to say about her husband. She's like, you know, he's mean, he's demanding, blah, blah, blah. She goes on and on. So then he talks to the two of them together. And he says, well, um, I hate to tell you this, but the first thing I have to say is that probably the only reason you're still together is because you have a communication problem. And they said, what? (laughs) He said, well, if you were talking to each other and you heard what each had to say about the other, you'd be gone a long time ago. (laughs) 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 And the thing is, both of them were living in this really negative, you know, discouraged, suffering state of mind, you know, the victim-y, poor-me state of mind. So they blame the other person. Now, I don't remember how it ended. I do, you know, they came for the intensive, and I don't remember if they got back together or they split or what they did. But I just thought that was such a perfect statement because really... 
we do tend to bring out the worst in ourselves and each other when we're in a low state of mind. And often two people in a low state of mind, two people who are insecure can be in a relationship because they're living at the same level of, you know, negativity, but it's a very ugly relationship. And, and neither one of them knows how to fix it. So they would call it a communication problem. You know, and George nailed it when he said, it's a good thing you don't talk to each other. <laughs> you know? But, the, you know, the thing is, I think people really uh, mis- misunderstand how important it is to be awake to how variable our thoughts are and how our moods change so quickly, our states of mind change so quickly, our feelings change so quickly as shadows of the negative or positive thinking we're doing. And so one of the uh, hallmarks of an insecure relationship as is fault finding, you know, that you, you find fault in yourself and you find fault in the other person. You blame, you know, like something's wrong here, but you know, no one ever looks to say is, can I change? Can I change myself from within? And I think your stories have been illustrating this, Chris. Now, it doesn't mean that the relationship will be changed ultimately, that it wouldn't, that the relationship won't dissolve or come back together. Those things are unpredictable until both parties change. But when you change, your whole situation looks different to you. So instead of being to being like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm supporting the kids and I got to put up with this jerk and blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, she's she's a good mother and, I'm, you know, I'll just mess around. I don't care. You know, instead of having all those negative thoughts, if you come to peace within yourself that you're okay, that you can feel a joyful feeling about life regardless of who's in your life then, you know, you can take a second look and get a fresh start. And your fresh start might be, as it was in my case, a very amicable, friendly parting of the ways. Or it might be coming back together, as in the case that Chris just described of the man who came for counseling as well. And she and he and her husband, the husband and wife got together. Or it might be, God knows what, you know, some other kind of relationship. It doesn't matter. The goal is not to fix the relationship. The goal is to find love within yourself and find happiness and peace of mind. That's got to be everybody's first goal. And that's, I think, something that traditional psychology does not look there. They look to fix the problem. And they look, you know, and that's why these people come in habitually and say, oh, yeah, our problem is we don't have enough money. Our problem is kids are teenagers and they're hard or this or that. And no, the problem is you're living in a state of mind that doesn't give you wisdom, doesn't allow you to see answers to your problems. It's, it's powerful that the illusion that thought creates is powerful to people. It really, like what you think really looks like that's what's happening. But the feeling that you have will always tell you. So if you're not feeling peaceful inside, you're not feeling alive with love, you're not in a healthy state of mind. So go there first. And then from that place, your wisdom will come in and tell you what you need to do in your circumstance. Nobody knows what you should do. Nobody knows. And and people put pressure on people. You got to leave this guy. You got to stay with this guy, whatever it is, you know, because people stay in relationships because they got married and they made a commitment and they're going to stay with it because the church tells them they have to. 
or because their family would disown them if they got divorced. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that people do that, but you have to make the decision about whether what you're doing feels like it's coming from health in you and putting your, your life and yourself in jeopardy because you're living with somebody who's at such a low level of consciousness that he doesn't or she doesn't see that she's loved and lovable. She's or he's not living in that feeling. Then you have to use common sense and you have to trust that they're not the last chocolate chip cookie in the world. But many times when people do that, they make a change of their own. The other person starts to wake up too. Because there's kind of a dynamic where you reinforce each other's insecurity innocently without realizing it. So when one person changes, the other person must change because they're no longer in that same dynamic with the other person. So to me, it's like, I don't know what people should do. They should stay with the person or leave. But if you continually focus on the other person and how whether you're going to make them mad, whether you have to worry about, you know, when they come home today, are they going to be in a bad mood? I had one woman that, you know, got beat up once because she made turkey instead of ham. And, you know, like it's so erratic when people are living at that level of consciousness that you got to take care of yourself because the other person isn't seeing the same reality as you are. So frequently women will, especially women will, and sometimes men too, I shouldn't say that because it doesn't matter either way. It's like they hang in there because they see the potential in somebody. Like one woman, I remember this, who was so funny because the her husband was an alcoholic and was drinking a lot and, and was um, having like multiple affairs. And in fact, she discovered that he had a whole nother family in Japan. And so she came in and she was so distraught when she found this out and was really like she nearly fainted in my office. And then um, later on, she discovered that he was actually abusing her children. And suddenly the fact that he had this other family in Japan didn't matter anymore. Now she's like got something worse here. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like she said to me, she said, but Chris, if I leave him and he sobers up and he becomes the man I think he is, I'll miss out on that. I'll miss out on him being the guy that I wanted him to be. I said, yeah, but what if he doesn't? (laughs) But she she was living on this this idea that somehow her vision of him, her thoughts about how he could be were real. But they weren't real. They were just her making up a story in her head about what he would be like if he was his, his best self. And of course, when what happened is then any information that came in that was different from that, she didn't give it credibility. She didn't like, she'd go, but he, when he's in a good place, he's so wonderful. When he's in a good mood, he's so great to me. I just love this. And that was like one-tenth of the time and 90% of the time, he's in this other state of mind where he was, you know, mean and abusive. So it's just interesting to to people as they start to get she found her own strength and she divorced him and got a new life and totally changed her life when she started to realize that what she was living in was the illusion of how he could be. And and then she kind of came to the place where she realized that he had to have the 
the the desire to be that guy. That her wanting him to be that guy wasn't going to do it. He had to do it. Right. So with that, uh, I think we're going to uh, ask you to wait for next week and we'll do part three, which is going to be about what love really is, you know, what love really is in the world and in us. And uh, so we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Aloha. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 